0: nba trivia supremacy i'm your host jason mann and i have two guests today first the returning champion david Rammel of the locked on heat podcast and the step back david welcome to the show
2: thanks so much jason
0: and uh our other guest uh matt rakowski of the step back welcome back matt
3: thank you jason happy to be here
0: so I'm. Matt, I'm gonna talk to you first. You recently investigated the weirdest NBA timeout spectacles. What uh, <laughs> did you find in your investigation that uh, you know could could be illuminating to uh, the, our, the, our our listeners?
3: Uh, sure. Um, this is about three months of uh, quote unquote work. Um, I got League Pass for the first time this year and was entertained by the fact that, you know, commercial synchronization is a bit off. So to, sometimes that means that your stream is delayed. Other times it means that you get to see what happens in the arena. And uh, there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on. And I guess the biggest thing that might be a surprise to people is that New Orleans is weird.
0: <laughs> Shocking, I, I know. Yeah. Uh, do you have any particular favorites of uh, these uh, these entertaining, entertainment spectacles during the timeouts or any, any in-arena in um, enjoyments that you have?
3: Uh, man, now that I've written the article, I've tried to block most of it out of my mind. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> I tried. <laughs> but um, to be honest, no, King Cake Baby shows up. That's never a good sign. Yeah. Um, there's a pizza toss that happens in the Staples Center, which was kind of cool. I'd do that. But for the most part, yeah, it's it's nothing you really want to know about, but you should. So that's why I wrote the
2: article.
0: Sure. <laughs> David, do you have any particular favorite uh, you know, NBA timeout spectacles that uh, stand out to you?
2: No, I, and whenever I get credentialed, I try to leave and, and avoid all the noise and spectacle of, of halftime, to be honest with you. Cause it is, it's painful to watch. There's a, a man that has like a small mutant dog that leaps all over him, and it's, I guess, very endearing to most of the people in the audience. I don't find it that endearing, but that just might be my cold, cynical heart. And then there's Red Panda, which I think everybody loves. Uh, by and large, uh, I think she's uh, pretty great at what she does. I just, I, I've had the opportunity to see her live in action once. And, uh, that was more than enough for me.
0: Yeah. Oh. I, uh, I got to watch her live as well at, um, I, I went to the last, or like, it was like Kobe's fourth, the last game of the, uh, of his career at the, uh, fourth last, yeah. against the Pelicans. I know history right there. So, um, <laughs> uh, and she <laughs> performed during halftime as a surprise. So that was pretty fun. Excellent. Yes. Um, uh, so, uh, so so this uh on on sunday the knicks played a first half where there were no music no extraneous noise just the sounds of the uh of the basketball court did, did either of you guys get a chance to see that and did you have any feel strong feelings about that either way
3: i got to watch it um i think it would have been a great idea if it were done somewhere else i mean there's not really a lot to cheer for when it comes to the Knicks this year. <laughs> but, but, I mean, like, uh, Oracle two years ago would have been great. Utah, just to
2: hear how quiet Denver is, that would have been interesting.
0: Atlanta's always good for quiet. Oh, that too.
2: But there's uh, the, the great – I'm drawing a blank now. What's the, the name of the organ player there that's so great everybody oh, yes. loves? Oh,
0: Sir Foster, yeah. Yeah,
2: Sir Foster, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, it would have been a criminal, I guess, to, uh, to mute him for a full halftime. But, like, I mean yeah. – I kinda understand Draymond Green's perspective. I guess that's probably where you're headed because it, it did obviously uh, inflame people and he, he seemed pretty upset about it, although I think his comments were taken out of context. But like I've seen I've seen like shoot arounds and practices that where they're pumping live music or music um, you know, into the arena so they can kinda get the feel for it because they have to kind of get used to these game type scenarios and, and it's just it's kind of the background noise that they're all used to. So I, I kind of understand where he was coming from when he said that it was not necessarily disrespectful but just bizarre and it kind of took the the flow out of the game so that, that seemed understandable to me anyway
0: yeah it seemed understandable to me too I, I mean I the the word choice seemed a little bit odd from Draymond but you know Draymond's a little sometimes he uh he, he you know he likes to uh I'd be a provocative in his uh, word choice occasionally, so uh, that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I thought it was neat. Um, I didn't think, like, you know, it's morally superior or anything to watch a game without the, uh, you know, those type of noises. I think they could tone that down a little bit and not lose a whole lot, but I get that there's people, you know, that you don't want them to get bored during the, you know, two-minute breaks or what have you. So, you know, some of that yeah. is, is perfectly fun. Some of it, it might be a little bit too much. So, David, you wrote um, a piece recently for the Step Back on, uh, on Noah Coney. He is the uh, manager of Terrence Ross, also a longtime friend. Uh, and then, sort of, as you know, as Terrence got into the league, he transitioned into the uh, business. He's also the manager for uh, Terrence Jones, and and he didn't want to be, you know, the, kind of this, you know, hang around, you part of this entourage that a lot of players can. End up, um you know, being a part of, it. and I thought it, it was really interesting looking at, you know, kind of what he's accomplished. Looking at that, um uh, you know, that that challenge, I guess, for friends of a someone who's become super successful and and trying to kind of find your place within that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that sums it up pretty perfectly. And you know, I I, I pointed to the what what Noah referred to as the golden standard. Obviously, everybody knows about Rich Paul and Maverick Carter and, and Clutch Sports and. Everything they've been able to accomplish for LeBron James, but but Noah's own story, you know, started in high school when they played together in Portland for Jefferson High, and and that transition that you spoke of, uh, you know, it was a difficult one. And and you would think that, you know, I can't imagine what that scenario must be like if one of my high school friends all of a sudden found fortune and became a, a successful basketball player. I'd probably be of the type to just kind of hang on, to be honest with you, and ask for money every once in a while to, to go travel to X place and and do whatever I wanted to, but. But Noah, to his credit, you know, he he spoke to when I talked to him. He spoke about his his competitive fire. You know, he was a collegiate basketball player himself, and he didn't necessarily just want to kind of fade into the background and and just kind of live off of Terrence Ross or the two Terrences, as he calls them. He didn't want to he didn't want to live off of their fortune, so he wanted to do something for himself, and and uh, he's done something uh, pretty successful. So I was happy to tell that story, one that I think gets overlooked a lot in the NBA. Yeah, I'm just curious. Is there a, so there's only two Terrences then? There's not like a third or fourth Terrence we should know about. As far as I know, it's just the Terrence Ross and Terrence Jones, Jones rather, both of whom happened to play with this Noah uh, Noah Kone while they were at Jefferson High School in Portland. I, I'm I'm sure there are other Terrences that have been around. Jason, you, you I mean you're the NBA history expert. Are there other Terrences that come to mind?
0: Uh, there are none that stand out, you know. I was thinking really? Terrence Malik, but uh, obviously uh, not NBA related. But that's that's the other Terrence that stands out to me. Probably uh, Noah does not have any connection to Terrence Malik, although you never know.
2: I don't think so. No, you're right.
0: <laughs> so, um, um, yeah. So I thought, um, David, you of course, uh, you you cover the Heat, and Matt, you are a Pistons fan. I thought something interesting to talk about for our warm up would be the. Uh, the Heat and Pistons 2005 and 2006 playoff rivalry. So uh, for those uh, listening who don't know, the warm-up questions, they are just for fun. They are, there are no points assigned for either of these. So uh, the Pistons beat the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2005, overcoming a 3-2 deficit. The Heat that year were the number one seed, had it was their first year at acquiring Shaquille O'Neal from the uh, Lakers. Of course, Dwayne Wade had come on and they would put together a good team around them, Eddie Jones. And uh, a strong cast supporting him the pistons were the defending champs and and were able to win that series and then in 2006 in, in in kind of an upset the heat uh won in 6 games they were a 52 team 52 win team beating a 64 win team so win, winning the eastern conference uh finals there so we're going to have a, a couple of questions uh relating to those Eastern conference finals and then we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, just the any memories of those uh, playoff battles or anything from those teams during that time so um, either one of you guys can answer this question I'll, I'll leave it to the uh, whoever wants to take it first question which of these players had the fewest minutes in the 2005 Eastern Conference Finals Steve Smith Eldon Campbell Christian Leitner or Darko Milicic?
3: um ding. Um, go, go ahead. I'm gonna go with Christian Leitner.
0: That is not correct. David, would, you like, would you like to guess?
2: Um, I, I would say Steve Smith.
0: Actually, it was Darko Miltich. He only had ah. th- he only had three minutes uh, during that uh, series. Uh, Christian Leitner had 47. Um, Eldon Campbell 44, and Steve Smith had seven. So, that was close. In the uh, 2006 Eastern Conference Finals, which player led the series in three-point attempts?
3: I'm going to guess Truncey Billups.
0: That is incorrect. That is not a bad guess. It's close. But he did not have the uh, most.
2: Three-point attempts. Jason Williams?
0: That is not correct. This player, uh, he shoots threes because they don't have a four.
2: Ah, oh, Antoine Waffer, of course.
0: He had 32 three pointers, and um, Billups and Rashid Wallace each had 27. Um, I believe Billups did lead, had the most three pointers in the 2005 series. So you definitely were on the right That's track. That's what I was thinking there. of, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so in both of these series, which is 13 games in all, how many times did both teams score more than 90 points in one game? Uh. Checking on that. <laughs> i believe i believe siri was trying to answer that question for me S- somehow so uh
3: i'm gonna say one
0: uh, incorrect two times it happened <sighs> in uh both were in 2005 uh in game three miami won 113 to 104 barnburner there and then uh game four also both teams I- exceeded uh 90 points. So, other than that, only, uh, it did not happen in any of those 13 times, it, which, mid-2000s, Eastern Conference basketball, it's a lot of fun.
3: <laughs> well, I enjoyed it, personally.
0: Well, I did too, but, you know, there is uh sometimes they, they could be a little bit of a slog, you know. Agree. Yeah. We, we don't like to disparage past errors here, jokes aside, on occasion. Um, <laughs> If Rich were here, he would be tearing it apart, but, but thankfully, he's not here, so. Um, so, you know, one, a couple things that stand out to me here is, uh, you know, this was obviously, you know, a pretty intense rivalry. These were the two, you know, best teams in the Eastern Conference during this time. This is, you know, before LeBron really emerges with the Cavs as an elite team, before the Celtics, um, you know, obviously put things together in 2008. Yeah. Um, really what strikes me is how quickly the heat fell apart after that 2006 title they were a a very middling team in that 2000 season and then they it really things got bad in 2008 Wade was hurt I believe most that season Uh, Shaq was traded and then they you know kind of went into uh, you know almost tank mode until uh, you know they are kind of wait and see mode uh, you know with Wade until of course you know they brought LeBron and bosh in a few years later, but I mean, that, that team really, I mean, those two heat teams are fairly different. They made a significant trade, you know, in between that season, but they really, uh, you know, it, it's unusual for a team to win a championship and then have that relatively little lack of staying power.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess it was Shaquille O'Neal towards the end of his career and um, you know, they were, they were already kind of on borrowed time. I think, you know, they had acquired all these veterans, towards the end of their career to try and piece around, you know, O'Neal and Wade and who was, you know, entering the prime of his career. And, you know, things kind of just fell apart rather quickly after that Alonzo morning, got hurt the following season. Antoine Walker, wasn't quite the same player. He wasn't ever really that effective again, you know, Gary Payton retired after he won the championship. So it, it just, and, and, and O'Neal's weight, I think started to catch up to him as well. So that, that, that third year of the O'Neal experiment was a pretty ugly one. I know they got beaten pretty badly to start the season, and then they wound up getting, I think, swept or beaten by the Chicago Bulls in the first round of the playoffs. So it, it was a, an ugly end to something that looked so promising at the first.
0: And also, you know, the, other th- the thing about the Pistons is, uh, yeah, I talked about this uh, on a previous show, we're talking about the Rasheed Wallace trade and uh, the, the Pistons teams during that time. But, you know, they really... Um, I mean, that was a pretty long-lasting success that they had. I mean, they obviously won the 2004 championship, made the finals in 2005, close loss to the Spurs. And then, you know, even into 06 and 07, you know, they made the Eastern Conference finals through 08. And in 06 and 07, they were the favorites both times and, you know, lost to, you know, this the Heat team in 06 and then to an incredible LeBron James performance in uh, 2007 when, you know, like we said, he was really emerging as, you know, um, a one of, if not the best player in the game at that point. So um, he, just a little bit changes and they're really, you know, remembered kind of on a different level than they already were, which was, you know, a, a very good success. And, you know, one of the most, you know, the fondest remembered Detroit teams of all time.
3: Yeah. It's, it's weird thinking about them that way, because like looking back on their championship, they almost seem that they're like an outlier, like the one example yeah. of something different, yeah. like the team that didn't have like that one specific superstar. And, uh, you know, had they won, you know, had they beaten uh, the Spurs or had they beaten the Heat two years after that, had they won, like, you know, two out of three or something like that, their memory would have been completely different in probably the national, um, you know, from the national perspective. But instead, they just kind of almost seemed like a one-and-done team, even though they were they had a lot of longevity.
0: Yeah, and that's... Um yeah yeah it, it's, it's 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 pretty i mean the the fact that they made i think six straight eastern conference finals that that's pretty rare in um nba history obviously you know in modern conference history um you know since the nba you know got a uh a large number of teams, anyway. Obviously, the Celtics of the '60s did that, but um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty rare for a team to make that many. And, and obviously, you know, I mean, they ran into just some weird situations in those playoff series. I mean, obviously, I think that Heat team kind of underachieved that year. Um, you know, they had that rough start and fired Stan Van Gundy and brought back Pat Riley, so that team was probably better than the talent that it had. And you know that, and you know, LeBron was coming together in uh, 2007. So it's it's really interesting to see uh, anything about. About either series a uh, stand out to you know you guys I don't, I don't know where you were in your basketball fandom at that point if you're following b- both teams closely but anything about that you know just uh jump out at you as a memory of uh, any of those battles during that time
2: hmm. no, nothing particular i i i remember hating the pistons pretty strongly i'll be honest with you I, they were just <laughs> this everything about them just seemed i don't know antithetical to what miami was i don't know why i just that's what i felt in my brain anyway and uh and I remember feeling pretty upset at the fact that Dwayne Wade was hurt in 2005. Otherwise, I feel pretty strongly, and I think a lot of people feel pretty strongly, they probably would have been able to knock off the Pistons that year, and, and probably yeah. been able to knock off the Spurs if, had they met in the finals. So they could have won two straight championships rather than just the one in 2006.
3: <laughs> My strongest memory of the team actually isn't from the playoffs. Like, this is one of the few, one of the few live games I've gone to see in that era. But uh, like, I think it was like December 29th in, I think, 2005. Pretty the Heat played. <laughs> I looked this up earlier at work because I was trying to get it right, but I think it was December 29th. Okay. But the Heat played the Pistons, uh, and it was a close game the entire way through. And generally, I don't like watching close games because I get really anxious and tense, and it's hard for me to really enjoy that. I like watching blowouts for the most part. One way or the other, because I can just like turn off the emotional side of my body. But uh, this game was super close the entire way through, and I just remember that. Remember who I was there with. I remember watching up until five minutes left from the game when we left because we wanted to beat traffic, and that was cool. And I don't really remember hating the Heat so much. I remember hating the uh, Spurs and Bruce Bowen particularly. Oh, but
0: uh, he, former Heat player Bruce Bowen. Really, I did not know that. Okay, yeah. now I do hate the heat. <laughs> well, that's okay. You know, little, little, little sports hate. Uh, I, well, I, sports hate probably can go wrong, but it's not going to go wrong in this case for 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 sure. Yeah, I um the Pistons eventually like I liked them at first, but eventually I I grew a little bit tired of them. I feel like they were one. I mean, and they're not the only team to do this, but they were just um, the constant complaining. The referees got a little bit old with them. Um, yeah. Obviously, she you know did, did that, but Rip Hamilton too, and that that was just a little bit of just you know, like I understand it as a tactic, but is a thing that's you know fun to watch It's not really all that um, fun to watch. But you know, looking back on it, they were. A, you know they were generally a really uh, fun team um i don't have any specific memories of the uh, pistons heat um eastern conference finals i'm i'm afraid to say but um you know obviously they were both um uh, you know exciting teams obviously Rashid brought you know, something interesting to the uh, Pistons when he um, when he went there and it, it's funny to look back at you know kind of who played for those Heat teams you know during those seasons because they uh, you, the, the, that roster you know, changed up so much and you know you, you you kind of forget some of the guys who were an important part of that because like I said it was only really one or two seasons before it all you know um, it all fell apart
2: yeah the, the, the Michael Doliak seasons were pretty impressive in Miami
0: sure sure <laughs> Actually, yeah, I mean, the, the Pistons changed around too. I mean, they, they you know, they threw in Chris Weber. Uh, they got Antonio McDice. I mean, that, that, they, you know.
3: Tracy McGrady, Ellen Iverson for a bit.
0: Yes, yeah. that was a little bit after they were any good, but yes, but they certainly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, yeah, I, but, but, you know, as far as the, the top years, I mean, obviously, Mim Okora was part of that 04 team and then, you know, he left and all that. So they, they changed around quite a bit, uh, too. It's, it's funny to see, um, who was there and, and who wasn't there? In fact, one of our questions on the quiz may uh, have may be related to that a little bit, but we'll uh mm. we'll get to that in uh, in just a moment. Um, so you know the recently, of course, we had the trade deadline, and after the trade deadline, there are the buyouts, the uh the late season additions to uh, teams, the guys who you can't get traded but end up being released and going on to other teams. We have Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut bolstering the Cavs. Uh, Jose Calderon almost going to the Warriors, but then uh, Matt Barnes going instead. Uh, Jose Calderon just getting a payday to uh, be on their books very briefly. Uh, Brandon Jennings to the uh, Wizards, a surprise release by the Knicks. And uh, Terrence Jones, the aforementioned Terrence Jones, going to the uh, Bucks. I think those were the major ones of the season. Uh, before we get into the quiz, I, I've seen a little bit of um, some sentiment on Twitter and other spots about how it's a little bit unfair for... You know, guys like this to be able to buy out for the contracts. Where Toronto, you know, the only way they can improve is by you know trading some real, some you know Terrence Ross for um, you know and a draft pick for Serge Ibaka and that sort of thing. Do you guys feel like there's any validity to that, or do you feel like you know just the most of these guys really aren't that useful except for these specific situations? So why not let them go to you know teams where they have a chance to win? I mean,
2: I don't even know if it's just limited to winning. I mean, look at Terrence Jones. Perspective. He just wanted to be able to play anywhere, I think, and, and you know, get an opportunity to play a significant amount of time. You know, he was gonna he was gonna be basically forced to the bench after the acquisition of the Marcus Cousins in New Orleans. So it was the best move for him. I don't think anybody sees Milwaukee as a legitimate title contender. So for them, from his perspective, he just wants to go somewhere to play and make a little extra money at the end of the season. Maybe be able to you know turn something around and and parlay that into a contract next year as well. So I I, I don't know if we should be, uh, you know, if we should have any sour grapes that these guys who want to sign elsewhere, whether they want to do it at a title contender like Golden State or Cleveland or elsewhere, it's up to them. I, I'm okay with it. I don't really have a problem with it one way or the other. That's pretty much the way I feel, too. Um, I mean, I, I guess I don't really know
3: the salary cap well enough to understand exactly what, how it is that certain teams can get players over other ones.
2: Yeah, why? So why well, Sorry to interrupt, Matt. Why was it that Toronto couldn't add a player? I thought they were interested in adding a guy like Brandon Jennings, but he just chose to go to Washington instead.
0: Yeah, I mean that—that's obviously fair. That there's not really, there wasn't really room for him in that uh, situation. Yeah, I mean I, I agree with you guys as well. I, I just don't think there's. Um... I mean, I, I guess I can see where you know the Cavs benefit. I mean, they basically get you know free talent where they didn't have to give up anyone in these situations. But they've also you know they made themselves attractive, and these guys you know, um, Darren Williams never won a ring. That's obviously important to him, and he's getting close to the end of his career. And you know, and and, and Bogut has has won one, but certainly I'm sure wants to be part of a. Um, a good team, maybe there's a little bit of uh, wanting to get back at the Warriors uh, type of things for giving up on him uh, motivation there. But yeah, I, I don't think it's a real thing. I mean, I, I guess I can see, um, I don't know, I, I, I barely see it, but I, it was something that was brought up and I just, I thought it'd be interesting to uh, bring up. It sounds like we're all pretty much in agreement on this, so.
3: Yeah, so, to any, if anything in my mind, is just, uh, it's credit to David Griffin, he, he has very, very little he has to work with, and if you can use the exceptions to bring people on, then I mean, that's just him doing his job in a really good way. Yeah. Really part of the reason why the Cavs are the best team in the East, I
2: suppose. Yeah. Well, that LeBron guy probably.
0: Yeah, LeBron's not bad. Yeah, he helps a little bit. That's, That's definitely true. All right, so let's uh, let's get to the quiz. Uh, there are eight questions in all, and each of the guests will alternate having the first chance to answer a question. I will read the question in full, and then the player will have a chance to answer it without multiple choice que- options. If he chooses to for having me read them, I will read them. If he gets it correctly, uh, then he gets points. If he does not, then the other player gets a chance to steal. So... Uh, Matt, you have the choice of whether you would like to go first or go last.
3: Jason, I would like to go first.
0: Okay. Question number one. Boris Diaw joined the Spurs in 2012, helping them win 20 games in a row to end the season and in the playoffs. Meanwhile, how many of the 25 games remaining in the season did the Charlotte Bobcats win?
3: I'm gonna want uh, multiple choice, please.
0: Okay. the The multiple choice is either zero, one, two, or three. I'm going to go with one. That is correct. You Whoa! get two points. <laughs> All right, you've achieved your goal. How about that, David.
2: <laughs> no, I, I I feel my my grip on the on the championship tenorously slipping away. Sorry.
0: All right, well, we'll see how it goes. There's still uh, still seven questions left. Any, anybody's game here. All so, right. uh, David, question number two. Who picked up Andrew Bynum after the trade deadline in 2014 and was the final team he played for in his career?
2: That would be the Philadelphia 76ers.
0: I'm afraid that is incorrect. Oh, no. God. So, um, So, Matt, you can either – Try to steal and get two points, or I can read off the answers, and you can get it for one point. I'm gonna to try to go for the two point one. Is that the Cleveland Cavaliers? That is incorrect as well. <gasps> the answer is the Indiana Pacers. Oh, really? Yes, he oh, I he, about that. he he played two games there, and apparently upset Roy Hibbert to the point where he uh, can no longer play uh, effective basketball. So poor Roy. Yeah, unfortunately for Roy. So, all right. Well. Matt's still got that 2-0 lead. He has the uh, third question. This 2006 acquisition for the Phoenix Suns hit a key three-pointer that helped them overcome a 3-1 series lead against the Lakers. Who is he?
3: Uh, I'm going to need multiple choice again.
0: All right. We have Jim Jackson, James Jones, Jalen Rose, and Tim Thomas.
3: I'm going to go with Tim Thomas.
0: That is correct. Yay. two more points wow. all right i'm
3: feeling it today
0: david um qu- question number four before paya signed with the mavs for their championship run in 2011 the new orleans hornets traded him early that season to what team where he played two games
2: I'm gonna need multiple choice on this one as well. I don't, I can't remember that at all.
0: All right. Um, the answer is the the yeah the we either <laughs> yeah. the Sacramento uh-huh. Kings, the Indiana Pacers, the Toronto Raptors, or the Milwaukee Bucks.
2: I'll go with the Pacers.
0: And it is actually oh no, no I'm sorry. Um, uh, Matt, you're you trying ha- to take points from me here. Matt, you have the chance to answer the question. You would get one point if you can get the correct answer. I'm going to
3: guess the Raptors?
0: That is correct. Yay. <laughs> you now have 5 and David has um David has not scored yet, but you know, we still have uh, there's still a chance. Question number 5. This goes to Matt. This longtime piston was part of the 2004 trade that acquired Rashid Wallace, but he was released and returned to the team soon afterward.
3: I'm going to go with Lindsay Hunter.
0: That is correct.
3: Yeah. Again. All right. Is this insurmountable yet?
0: You get three points. Um, It is not yet. <laughs> it is not yet insurmountable, but it is close. Wow. All right. Bring it back, David. I believe in you.
2: No, no, I'm, I'm done. I, I'm just giving up at this point.
0: All right. Well, this question might be one that, 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 that suits your interest. So we'll see. Uh, question number six. <laughs> After Chris Bergman Anderson joined the heat during the 2013 season, how many games did the team lose out of their last 44?
2: <laughs> out of their last 44. Well, I know they went on the 27 game win streak after he joined them. Um I don't, I don't know, you're gonna have to give me some options here.
0: All right, the options are three, four. Five and six. Three. It is it four. Oh, I'm. i Yes, it is oh, four. Sorry. sorry, I. I. Uh, yeah. It's, okay. it's, all sorry, right. Matt, you, it's all right. Sorry, Matt. You. I was gonna guess negative yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, Matt. P.J. Brown famously scored ten points on four-for-four shooting in a tight game seven against the Cavs in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Who was the other notable post-deadline signee for the Celtics? This is in 2008.
3: He's the only one I can think of. I'm going to need multiple choice.
0: All right. We have Sam Cassell, Stefan Marbury, Michael Finley, and Nate Robinson.
3: I'm going to go Sam Cassell.
0: Mm. That is Yay! correct. All right. All right. All right, last question for David. You have a chance to get on the board here.
3: <laughs> Don't taunt him. That's mean. It,
0: I, I'm, I'm not trying to taunt him. I'm <laughs> trying to encourage him. Anderson Vergeau became the first player in NBA history to play for both finals teams in the same season in 2016, both the Warriors and the Cavs. What team was he drafted by?
2: Wow. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, can I have some options, please?
0: Yes, we have Cleveland, Portland, Orlando, and Minnesota. Wow.
2: Um, Orlando?
0: That is correct. On the board. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thank you, man. uh, You're welcome. Alright, so even though it even though it's the tiebreaker and we obviously don't have a tie, we're gonna play the sudden death anyway because it's it's All just right. for fun. Thank it for ten points. So we we are go the uh sudden death is name the Celtics buyout signees from two thousand and nine to twenty thirteen.
2: <laughs> wow.
3: Jermaine O'Neal? The,
0: oh. No David can you uh <laughs> Jermaine O'Neal? <laughs> no, no, ger- ger- <laughs> the uh, no. So the uh, so I guess I, I guess we're we're done. But uh, the uh, answers are uh, St- Stefan Marbury, Michael Finley, Troy Murphy, Sasha Pavlovich, Carlos Arroyo, Ryan Hollins, Terrence Williams, Shavlik Rand- Randolph, and DJ White. Wow.
2: So Not Jermaine Randolph. O'Neal.
0: So they. No. Not wow. Jermaine O'Neal. No. I think I believe he was just a regular signee for the uh Celtics and not a uh a buyout. Troy so. Murphy
2: was a big deal for them acquiring him. I remember there was a a, a point of contention I think for Celtics fans.
0: Yes. Well, yeah, people were torching to thinking Troy Murphy was a good player for quite yeah. a while. So uh, apparently that was still going on at, at that point. He did have a good rebound rate. <laughs> and that's about it. Got to give him that. Yeah, he could shoot three-point rate a good rebound rate. I guess, you know, um Maybe if it were 2017, you know, maybe a Troy Murphy would be. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of a good comparison Troy Murphy, but I cannot. No. So, um, anyway, guys, thanks for playing. Um, Matt, congratulations on uh, vanquishing the champion, and you are the now now the uh, official Hoop Quiz champion. Does it? How does it feel? It's indescribable.
3: My hands are in the air. I'm looking up to the to my ceiling, and I just see the word winner, win, yeah, winner written on it, and it's great
0: david you showed a lot of poise and uh dignity in losing the championship how does it feel to finally relinquish the qu- crown after having it for so long
2: at first it felt kind of terrible and i'm already looking up matt's address to see if i could hunt him down but i kind of feel a little relieved at the same time The the, the crown bore heavily on my head so i i'm glad to pass it on
0: let somebody else take on the pressure okay yeah right. like
2: the 05 heat not a lot of longevity there
3: <laughs>
0: all right guys well thanks uh, so much for uh being on the I'm show <laughs> uh, on that note i think we will uh we will call it a, a day you can uh find us our our work all on the uh, step back you can uh find our podcast on um itunes stitcher wherever you listen to your podcast you can also find us on twitter at over and back nba so thanks for listening and we'll be back again soon